Good evening. This week is Parsha's Bullock. And as we know, Bilam was summoned by Bullock to come curse the Jewish people. The Gemara asks, when did Bilam think that he would have the opportunity to curse the Jewish people? And the Gemara Brachas on Dav Zion says that there's one like hundredth of a second every single day that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was angry with Kalb Yisrael. And he would seize that second, that split second, to curse the Jews. So Toysus in the Gemara there asks that if it was not even a second, it was like a split second, a hundredth of a second, what could Bilam have said in that split second? So Toysus answers and says that he would have said Kalim, quickly, Kalim, to finish off Klal Yisrael. So Toysus then says, but he would have said other things. But once he had his foot in the door with the word Kalim in that split second, he could have piled up all the other items and curses that he wanted to put on Yisrael. The Balshemtiv from this Toysvis concludes that if a person davens in the morning, and let's say Chatzos is at one o'clock, he is able as long as he begins Shemona Esrei. Ten seconds before Chatzos, and he just says the word Baruch, he has his foot in the door. And the Shemona Esrei goes in. <clears throat> because over here, if we're saying that Bilam would just say Kale, and he had his foot in the door at that moment of anger, that anger wasn't there 10 seconds later or 20 seconds later, but he could finish what he's saying. Says the Balshantavit for negative, it works, then certainly by art fila, it works very well in terms of getting our foot into the door. So if a person starts Shemona Esrei even uh, 10 seconds before and just says the word Baruch of Shemona Esrei, even though the 99.9 rest of Shemona Esrei is after Chatzos, he got his foot in the door and he is able to say Shemona Esrei and he did not miss Chatzos. Now obviously that's the Baal Shem Tiv's opinion and in Shulchan Aruch there's many other opinions that if you don't say the whole Shemona Esrei before Chatzos then L'Chatchil you're not Yoitza getting the Shemona Esrei in 
before Chatzos. There are others who hold, as long as you conclude the first bracha of Mogein Avram, you got in to the gate before it closed. So the point I want to bring out by quoting this Gemara is how important, based on the Balshemtiv's words, a word is. Because if the whole tachlis of Bilam was what he wanted to do, we see that with just expressing and saying one word, he could have been on the other side of the fence. And for a good way, it works for us that one good word gets us in before chatzos. What I want to say to you is that when somebody sees you, and it could be that person is very thirsty for a good word, for encouragement, sometimes just a smile, sometimes just a word, good morning, pleasantly said, could make the person's day. The power of even one word in our daily activities. Now, we know that at the end of the story, that Bilaam did not succeed. He didn't succeed at all. And he felt bad, so his parting thought with Bullock was, listen, I didn't succeed in cursing them, but I'm going to give you advice that's going to really hurt them. And that was, their God hates immorality. So if you take the women of Midian and they entice the men, then it's going to wreak havoc when they cross the line and they do something wrong with the women, the Jewish men. And indeed it did. There was a plague, and because of that interaction of the men and women, 24,000 died. That was when Pinchas stood up and was Mekadashem Shemayim. And there's a kasha, why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu step forward against Zimri ben Salu, who in front of an entire Klal Yisrael was defaming the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and publicly doing what he did. So why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu or Elazar, Aaron already was not alive, but Elazar, who now was the Kohen Gadol, step forward. But Moshe Rabbeinu knew that when Zimri came to him and asked him, am I allowed to be intimate with Cosby Basur if he would answer him, she's not Jewish, that he would have said to Moshe Rabbeinu, but you married Sephora, who was not Jewish. And likewise, Elazar married the daughter of Yisrael. 
So the two of them didn't want to open up this entire question of before Matan Torah or whatever. But he left it to Pinchas because Pinchas only got the kahuna. He wasn't attached to Aaron and the Lazar in terms of the gift of kahuna. We know that kahuna was given only to Aaron and to a Lazar, and it would have stopped. But in Parshas Pinchas next week, it says, Baris kahuna soilam. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, after what heroic action you took, so you are going to be a Koyen and every one of your generations, that's when it became a lasting, blissful blessing for those who are Kohanim to have the power to carry over the blessing to Claude Yisrael. And it was because Pint was standing up and doing what he did that this came into action. You know, Rabbi Yisrael, his Salanta, once said, and many Hasidish Rabbeim said almost the same thing, but he had a different, interesting twist to this saying. He said, I first wanted to conquer the world. And when I saw that I couldn't sway the whole world into avoid this Hashem, I then thought that I would want to conquer at least my city. And when I saw that I couldn't conquer my city, I decided to work on my community and then my family. But when I saw that I couldn't turn over my family, I decided to work on myself. And that's where it landed my work of my lifetime. Now, the Hasidish Rebbeim who said this said basically the same idea. But Rabbi Yisrael Salanta ended and said, but I realized after all was said and done that had I began with myself, not with the whole world, that I would have been able to move on after I conquered my Yetzirah and I threw myself with a thrust into Avodas HaKodesh, that I would then move on to my family and conquer them. And then on to the city, and then on to the country, and then on to the world. But a person has to realize that it begins with himself, and then we can conquer a world. And a person has to realize that every word and every action is directed in that place on the general map and the panorama of his life with what he did with himself rather than the overall magnificent, magnanimous efforts with everybody else, a person has to realize that it begins with himself, and from that he can move on. Now Rashi says to us that when Bilaam finally left and he went with the sorry Moya, 
the the Sarim, the ministers of Bolak, who sent them to him to get him to come. So Rashi says that when he was on his way, that he, he the donkey saw the Malak with a roving sword that he was swaying in the area, and that's why he kept going off of the path. He didn't want to kill himself, and he didn't want to kill Bilam, but Bilam didn't see it. And Bilam was furious with the donkey that he was taking him off of the road and he didn't see the malach, so he couldn't imagine why he was doing this. Now, Rashi says on this story that it was a malach shall rachamim, that the malach who was on the path trying to stop them was a malach of mercy and pity. And it says, V'char b'shalufa b'yodo. Now, the Meforshe, HaTorah, asks, why does Rashi say that it was a malach of Rachman? A malach of Rachman doesn't carry a sword. A malach of Rachman is full of mercy and pity. What did he do with a sword? It seems contradictory to his mission in life. But the answer is that many times people view something like a charev. They're doing a shidduch and it was about to be and suddenly the Kalas family decided they're not doing it. And it wreaks havoc in the family of the Chosun. They're besides themselves. It's the end of the world. Here they were ready to do a beautiful Shidduch, and they were all excited. And then the Chalid decided no. So these type of disturbances and differences that come up in our lives, we view as a Cherev, a major disappointment a destructive force. It could have been, it should have been. But we have to know, and Rav Pam used to quote this all the time, that when events happen, it may look like the end of the world to us, but it may be the beginning of the world for you. It may be the best thing that happened. You know that in Russia, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky's Tzadik Levrocha was vying for a Rabbonus. There were two people being considered by the town. And Rav Yaakov wanted very badly the Rabbonus because it was a chosh of a place and he wanted it. And at the end, the city gave the other person, the other Rav, the position. And Rav Yaakov was disappointed. So Rav Yaakov then took in, in Seattle and he went to Toronto and he ended up in Tor Vedas. But there was disappointment that he didn't get that position. That city two years later was attacked by the Nazis 
and every person, including the new Rav, was killed. So what Rav Yaakov looked at like a disappointment, but when you came full course, full circle, and you see what Hashem did, he saved him. He would have been the rub there, he would have been killed like everybody else. So what looks like disaster to us quite often is not such disaster. It may be the biggest favor in life. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sending us a tremendous chesed. And that chesed comes from the Malach of Rachamim. Because you think it's destructive, but he was trying to save his life. He was trying to discourage him. Had Bilam not gone, he never ever would have been embarrassed. It says that Bullock said to him at the end of the whole story, Barach Lecha, run home, run home. So they asked, why did he have to say that? I mean, just tell him, okay, we're done, goodbye. What do you mean? Run home, Barach. So the Mephorshia Torah say that he had promised him so much money that Bilam along the line totally got there, and after he got there, he had a pile of debt. That means he said, oh, I'm getting $500,000 for this. There was something I wanted to buy that was 50000 and he bought it and said, I'll be back in a month, and I'll pay you. <laughs> so Bullock, the Mephorshim, say that he knew about all these creditors. So now that I'm not paying you, the creditors are going to come after you with a vehemence. So run home, because they're going to be here soon. The creditors. So run home, Barach Lechon to save yourself, that you're not going to be killed or hurt by the creditors that you have piled up. Now, the Pasuk opens, Vayar Bolak ben Sipar, Eis kol asher Hashem Yisrael, Amo, that everything that he did to Klal Yisrael, and the Pasuk ends up like two later, two later, Uvolak ben Sipor, Melech lemoyav ha'es ha'hi. So Reb Chaim Salavechik asks, why doesn't it introduce Bolak ben Sipor at the very beginning as Melech of Moyov? And he answers and he quotes a Medrash that he wasn't the Melech, but he conjured up such hate for Klal Yisrael and he spewed it amongst the people. That's when they decided to make him Melech. Oh, you have a vehemence against Klal Yisrael? You're going to be our leader. And quite often we find in history that there were czars and there were sultans and there were kings and queens who became heads of state because of their attitude to the Yidden. The people chose them as leaders 
because of the fact that there was such hatred to the Yid, and that's what propelled them into a position of, of power. Because we have to make no mistake about it. There is no such thing until Mashiach will come as deep down as Goyim and others having true love for us. And if history didn't teach it, nothing will teach it to us because there was no country in the world that was persecuted, that is not either persecuted or expelled, except for India. India is the only country on the globe that never did anything against the Jews. Besides India, if you pick any country you want, we can show you through history how they have a history of Jew-hating and in one way or another persecuting, not allowing them regular commerce or to participate in the business arena or expelling it, whatever it is. But every country stepped forward. And that's what propelled Bullock into that position, quotes Reb Chaim Soloveitchik from the Medrash, to become the Melech over there. Now, the Pasuk says that the message from Bullock to Bilam was Lachona Orali Vikavoli, in other words, two expressions of curse for me, these people. Now, everyone asks, why did he say Lee? He could have just said, please come and curse. What do you mean leave for me? I mean, obviously I sent you people, I'm offering you money, I'm offering you COVID and everything else. But the Mephorshim explained that Bilam knew what Avram Avinu was told. Avram Avinu was told by a Kurdish Baruch that those who bless you will be blessed and those who curse you are going to be cursed. Bilam the Mephorshim say knew that. But he hated the Jews also as much as Bullock did that he didn't care if he would go down in the process and that's why Bullock said that he didn't care. He said I will end up being cursed because Avram Avinu was told that those who curse, the Jews will be cursed. So I know that by you giving them a curse, I'm going to be cursed. So be it. As long as they come down. As long as you bring down the Jews. Now, we see for instance, there are suicide bombers. These people know they're giving up their life. When they strap a bomb onto a pregnant woman and it's going to blow her up and the baby inside, they have no problem because the end result is maybe you're going to end up killing a group of Jews. 
why wouldn't they be concerned about themselves? Maybe they want to throw the bomb, but not to injure themselves. But the hatred is so blinding that they can't see beyond that. That even if it means themselves and their babies and their children, they'll still do it as long as the end result. I want to say from this chazal that we can learn for each and every yid that often when he does something that is off limits, he's really hurting himself. Because when a person does something that he knows the end result is not right, and whatever's going through his mind, he'll do tshuva, he doesn't mean this, he doesn't mean that, he's going to use this defense and this rationale, that he has to realize that the curse that goes out, it comes back to he himself. You may want to help another, you may be talking that severe Lashon Hara to drag down the other person, but the truth is that while you're dragging down that person, it's coming right back to you. Because it says in Chazal, the Chavetz Chaim used to talk about it, that when somebody gives out a curse to another person, it's not the curse that effectuates, that hurts the other person. It's just when it comes out of his mouth, and that's why we have to be so careful there are many people said that said, Rabbanishlam, just let me this and that. And it came back to haunt him. That when a person gives a curse to someone else, that in Shemayim, they take his words and they look at the person who was cursed. And they want to judge, does the person deserve this curse? Oh, if he deserves it, then maybe we should consider. So it's not shot that he's that it's the curse that does it. It's they are ma'oyer. They wake up a kitrug, a prosecuting angel. A prosecuting angel against the person because of what was said down here in this world. Now I want to tell you a story which the Baal Shem Tev had a student whose name was Reb Nachman Horodenka. And he was not married, he was around 20, 21 years old. He was a youngster, but he was a Baal Ruch HaKoyish. He was one of the Chevraya of the Baal Shem Tev. And he went on a trip to Turkey. In those days, Istanbul, which is now the name of the capital, I think it's the name of the capital, um, was called Constantinople. And he came to Constantinople, and the Jews, many Jews lived there in those times. They heard that this is a student of the Achosid of the Balshemtiv and he's not married. Let's talk him a shidduch. So they spoke him a shidduch, and the engagement took place, and the day of the marriage came, 
and they were under the chuppah, the chosn and the kala, and then they went into the yichud room, the room that every chos and kala must go immediately after the chuppah. There are different opinions if it's for five minutes or seven minutes or nine minutes. Rav Moshe holds one way and Rav Yaakov another way. But it's a few minutes that they must be in seclusion. That they must be in seclusion. And, and if there's no yichud, the yichud is not chal. You must have yichud afterwards. And they finish the chuppah, and they're going into the yichud room, and the chosen is not there. So they thought maybe he had to go to the washroom or something. They waited and waited and waited, and the chosen is not here. And after an hour or two, the entire wedding celebration of dancing and song and happiness turned into gloom and despair. Did somebody kidnap the chosen? Like, what could have happened? And sadly, the Kala with her parents went home from the Chasna, and there was no Chasna around. It was never a tragedy. Five months later, they heard that this Reb Nachman Haradenka is back in Meshabush with the, his Rebbe, the Baal Shem So the Kala and her father, in those days there were no airports, and they had to take a ship and then on a wagon and a driver with a wagon, horse and wagon, get to measure. And it took them seven weeks till they got there. But they got there and they right away went into the Balshemtiv. And the father said, Rebbe, your Talmud hat uns unglücklich gemacht. That he destroyed our lives. She was under chupa. So, and there was a Kenyan. So she's like an Aguna. And we thought, never, maybe something happened, he was kidnapped. But we hear he's functioning very well right here in Mezhebush. So the Balshantiv said, I want to talk to him first. Please go out, I'm going to call him. So in came Reb Nachman Horadenka to the Balshantiv. And he said, what did you do here? And he said, under the chuppah, I saw that the kala within the month would become pregnant, and by childbirth, she was going to die. The baby would live, and she would die. And to say to them what I saw, you're not so sweet, Megala Rucha Kodesh, but to marry her, a young girl, 19 years old, and kill her, I didn't want to do that either, so I just had to run away. So the Balshemtiv said, gifts that are given to you from Shemayim, like Ruach HaKodesh, it's not your business, the Derech to direct the traffic. 
If Minashmaim, this was your shidduch and you had the chuppah, you can give her the tell her what you saw, and you give her the choice. So they told the father and the daughter what happened, and the daughter said that such a tzaddik, it's kedai for me to have a son from him, even if it means giving up my life. And they continued, they brought Adam, they had the, the yichod, they did whatever they had to do. And she did become indeed pregnant. And when she was in the ninth month, she started to doubt, I know I accepted to die by childbirth. But I'm begging you, since I know that it's going to be a boy, Let me live to the bris. <clears throat> Give me the extra eight days. And she started davening, please just let me live to the, to the bris. Just let me live to the bris. She gave birth to a boy. And they named the boy Simcha. And by the bris, the bris took place, and they named him Simcha, and she died that day. And her husband said, Nebuch, a terrible Rachmanis. Because the day that she accepted to be married to me, knowing she was going to die when she gave birth, they tore up in Shemaim the whole Gezerah. But she started davening, just let me live to the bris. Just let me live to the bris. So she worked, She brought it on herself that she died at the bris. That's what she kept davening for. But she didn't have to because they tore up the gazera. And just as a parenthetical comment, this simcha, when the mother died, after the bris, Odal, the daughter of the Balshemtiv, went to the father, Reb Nachman Horodenka, and said to him, what are you going to do now with an eight-day-old baby and your wife just died? Let me take him into my house, and you come every day to visit him as much as you want. But a, a newborn baby, you don't know how and what to handle and to... And that's what happened. This Simcha grew up in the house of Odal. Odal had three very famous children. Her one son was the Dergel Machane Ephraim, Moshe Chaim Ephraim. One was Rebarach Mimezhebush. And one was a daughter named Fega. Now this Simcha grew up in the house of Odal, together with the other three children, and at the end he married Fega, who was not his relative, but he grew up as a brother to her in the house, and they had a son that they named Nachman after the grandfather, Reb Nachman that was Reb Nachman of Breslau. So, we see how careful a person has to be with what he wishes on himself. 
a person gets frustrated. Oh, I wish I was dead. I wish this. I would. Be very careful with the words that come out of your mouth because they can come back to haunt you. They can come back to destroy you. And they can work very strongly against you. Now, Bilam said, Lu that Halavai, I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now, he said to the donkey. Rashi says on that statement that Genus Gedoyla, that it was seen by the Tsar, and don't forget, Bilam wasn't traveling alone. He was ha he had the the Tsarim, the officers of Bullock going with him to escort him. And when he they heard him say to the donkey, I wish I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. So it was a genus. It was like something they looked down at him. You're supposed to be the big prophet, and you're coming with your mouth to curse, call Yisrael, why can't you just say to the donkey, drop dead? Why do you have to say, I wish I had a sword to kill you, if your mouth is supposed to be so powerful? And that's what Rashi is saying, Genus that it was a very, the sorrow the officer standing there, a bullock. What? You have to resort to a sword to kill the donkey, you should be able to do it with the power of your mouth. But Reb Chaim, Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld, Zecher Tzadik Levracha, says that saying a curse, as we just spoke, is a only ma'or the kitrug in Shamayim. And Bilam knew that if he starts talking against the donkey to kill it, to drop dead or whatever, that they would look in Shamayim, what did the donkey do? And the donkey was Mishashis Yemei Boratius created. This donkey serviced so many different things that now it was servicing Bilam, who was the biggest prophet, Keneged Moshe Rabbeinu. It says, Lokom be Yisrael, Navi Kemoshe, Avol Be'um Osoylem, come. But for the Goyim, it did come up. So he knew that by being Makatrig against the donkey, he couldn't do it. That only physically, in a way that he would kill an animal, was the way that he could bring about its death. Now, the in our Haftorah, at the end, the Psukim of our Sedra, Bolog, there's a lot of code there, like there's a Pasakim Rosh Tsurim Ar Enu, Umigvaos, and from the heights, I won't see him. 
And on that Pasuk, continued Rabbi Yosef Chaim Sonnenfeld, that we know that there was no bris milah in the time that they were in the Midbar. That means they didn't bring a carbon Pesach the whole time that they were in the Midbar. The only time they brought was when they were leaving Mitzrayim. And as the Targum Yonis and Benuziel says, they were picked up al Kanfei Nisharim, because you're not allowed to bring it out of Yerushalayim, out of Harabayas. And the whole Klai Yisrael was brought from Mitzrayim to Eretz Yisrael. They brought the Korban Pesach and ate it, and then they were transported back to Mitzrayim. But after that, when they went out, they never brought, because a oral, someone who doesn't have a bris mila is not allowed to bring a Korban Pesach. Because the winds, the Medrash says, did not allow them to have a bris because the healing of the atmosphere, of the air that is provided to every mole, to every boy that is circumcised and has the bris, it provides that healing in the atmosphere besides everything else, it was not there. It was not in the midbar. So there was no, but it says when they got the Haftorah, our Haftorah says, Minash. Shittim ad ha-gilgo. The, from the place of Shittim, or Moab, where this whole story took place, until the city in Eretzel of Gilgo. And what happened? They couldn't be cursed. And one of the things that Bill wanted to say is they didn't do a bliss. This is your Claudius realm. They didn't do a press. But the answer would have been that they couldn't do it because it was a sakana. But what is the proof that the mitzvah of Mila was so choviv and choshev to them that when they would be in a position to do the Mila, would they do it or wouldn't they do it? So when they got to the city of Gilgal, it says, the first place that they were able in Eretzel to give everyone a bris. There were thousands of bris milas, and they used to pile up the orla in piles, and there was tremendous piles, tens of thousands of orlas of the foreskin from the mila piled up. So Gilgal proved that it wasn't that they didn't do it because they didn't want to be Makayim the Mitzvah, they were Makayim the Mitzvah the minute they had the chance to, which showed it wasn't the lack of appreciation or love for the Mitzvah, it was simply the healing process, they couldn't do it. So when Bilam said that Ki Meirosh Surim Arena, that we will look up from the top of the rocks and from the highest points and see that I couldn't curse him because of the pile of Orlas that they did do the minute that they had the opportunity to do a mitzvah of Mila, they did so without any hesitation. Now, we know, and the Pirkei Rebbe says that when the Pasuk of what Bilam said, Oy mi yichya mi sumo el, that woe is to the generation that you have to live 
with someone misumo el, there were only two nations that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put his name on. Yisrael, the Aleph Lamed at the end, and Yishmael. And Yishmael got that gift. But he said at that point, Bilam, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the future. This people are going to be tortured till Mashiach comes by the other one that had the name Ale put on. Now, we know that Esau, the Christians, came from. But Yishmael are the Arabs. And the Chavetz Chaim said a hundred years ago, prophetically, that, and in those days, for instance, Saudi Arabia didn't even know that it had oil. When they discovered, they became the multi-billionaires. But it wasn't from 200 years ago or 100. It was 80 years ago, 90 years that they started developing and, and bringing out. But until then, the Crusades went after them as they went after the Jews. They wanted everyone to convert to Christianity. But then we see that after all those threats of Christianity subsided, there are no more crusades. I mean, they're still trying to proselytize and make Yidin Goyim, but the Sakona part is in the hands of Yishmuel, and that's what Bilam predicted and said publicly before he went back to his country. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu, for this story, and ending up that they, he gave the eights of immorality, that before Moshe Rabbeinu died, he said that we have one more item that we have to avenge before I can die, and that's to go out against Midian for what they did to our 24,000 that were killed because of that. And it was in that war that they went out, and even Levi, Shevet Levi, who never went out to war, that time they went out also and they killed Bilam in that war, which is in Parshos Matos, which we will discuss more about at the appropriate time. A good Tanakh and everyone should have a wonderful, wonderful week. It's 50 minutes.